BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I guess I'm trying to be something that I'm not, I'm not. And I can't face the fact that I'm not what I want to be. And truth is, is I probably don't know what I want to be. I know I want to be a filmmaker, but I don't know what I personally want to be. Like, I guess I need to go on that life journey in order to find out who I really am. And uh, I guess I don't want to take that journey. I just want to get straight to it. I just haven't had that opportunity. I mean, I've, uh, I've really, I've really been much of a loner and a loser for uh, quite a bit of my life. And uh, this whole bunch of people, it's like a really new experience. I mean, I've never really had 15 people around me at one time. I'm George Chen, and you're listening to SupDoc, a show where we talk to our interesting friends from the worlds of comedy, writing, TV, and film about documentaries. Right now, you're going to hear my talk with director Mike Ott about his great documentary, Kid Icarus. Where were you in 2007? Mike Ott was starting his first teaching job as a film professor at a community college in Southern California. That's when he meets a bafflingly confident 18-year-old named Lee Harkrider, who thinks his student film, Enslavance, is going to send him to stardom. What feels like a fictional sitcom is filled with unforgettable characters and youthful hubris, but there is also some redemption for Lee. Kid Icarus is like a spiritual sequel to American Movie, but for the MySpace generation. You can watch it on Amazon Prime or Canopy. Mike Ott got his MFA at CalArts, and his latest film, California Dreams, premiered in Berlin, where he splits his time with his L.A. home. Mike's films have won the Audience Award at AFI Fest, a Gotham Award, and an Independent Spirit Award. And now here's my talk with Kid Icarus director Mike Ott. Thank you for joining SupDoc, Mike Ott, director of Kid Icarus, which is a great film that I had watched uh, just recently, I'd watched part of it and got very frustrated with Lee. And then I finally finished it. I'm like, I like Lee, which is, I think a way that, it, it, you know, that someone might go into this feeling a certain way about him and then just realizing that there is a vulnerability and to, to just set level level set for everyone. Uh, this is a film that was made in 2008 when you, Mike, were teaching a community college film yeah. class? Yeah, like an advanced film class at, at, at junior college. Yeah, and uh, the Kid Icarus of the title is Lee Harkrider, who is like 18 and like seems like he's never lived away from home before and is uh, just bites off way more than he can chew. And it is... It was pitched to us by our mutual friend, Arlen Golden. He was like, this is like American movie. But I'm like, this is like the MySpace era American movie. <laughs> I always say it's like the low budget American movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but like it the is, lower American movie. But it is also like, it is so like 
of the moment, like just like the music taste and the fashion. I'm just like, wow, I hadn't really thought about 2008 as being a period, but it totally is now. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, there's so many questions I have about this film. Firstly, um, when Arlen said he was releasing it like uh, last summer, uh, had it not had any kind of release before? What, what What was the version of this that was floating around? Before. Yeah, I mean, really, it was just kind of, uh, I had a link, I think I just had like a Vimeo link that I had sent him. Um, and that's one of those things, like, I'd just been sitting on it for like 10 years, and everyone who had seen it, like, I had a bunch of like, kind of my friends that were like, obsessed with it, and people that would see it, but it didn't really get a life until like 10 years later, which mm-hmm. is strange. Yeah, I think when it, when it initially came out, when I had finished it, I had finished, I had done my thesis film, and that was kind of my first film outside of school. Um but it got rejected from every festival. Uh, also, I think a lot of people thought it was fake. Your first film or this film? This film, yeah. I think oh. the reason it like it seems like a mockumentary because it's so absurd that like no one believed that all these characters existed. And I would always say like I'm not smart enough to write this kind of stuff. Like it's you know like it's too insane for me to even come up with. Yeah, the cat is like if you were to cast, it is perfectly does feel like in the vein of your like uh, your mighty wit, your Christopher Guest type Absolutely. mockumentaries. It just like everyone is such a character in such a purely and is weirdly. OK, and this is like a very Southern California movie, I think, in a certain way. Like, I feel like these characters are like represented kind of. Southern California, the way that American movie represented kind of a Midwest personality, you know, Uh, just a lot of like, and they're all kids basically, or, you know, except for Paul, who is an older gentleman who's seems like he's pivoted through a lot of career things to decide he's going to go to, to film school in his uh, late fifties. Yeah. So there's so many characters. I just, I guess the way to think about this for me there, I have a few questions uh, starting off like who was doing the majority of the filming and then how did this end up coming together? Like whoever was filming must've realized this is the story, like the story of the making of enslavements, which is uh, Lee's dream film about, I guess, drug addiction. And it seems very like fight club influenced. I've, yeah. Like Scorsese-esque, you know, like kind of about drugs, rape, murder, like, you know, oh, the discussion when you guys are talking about like, why does she have to be raped? It's just like, this is so pre me too. So 2008, like, Oh, this is so cringy. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So when did the, so who was doing a lot of this footage and then how did you kind of end up piecing it together? Well, I had a student at the time, Carl, who he ended up doing little rock with me, which was my film after this, um, after Kid Icarus. And so he was my student. We were good friends and Lee had pitched his idea for enslavements, which, in the class, I give them a, they all have to write a five page script that's supposed to be um, about an experience they had to make a narrative film about understanding, you know, just this idea of making something that you know, before you make something about something you don't know. And it's only supposed to be five pages. So the first day he comes in with this 20 page script called Enslavens. And I said, well, Enslavens isn't really a word, first of all. And second of all, it's supposed to be five pages. And he says, well, you know, I'm a really ambitious student and I don't think it's fair. You as a teacher, like holding me back. (laughs) So I said, "Okay, well, you know, you could be right. I could be wrong. So go ahead. And the first day that he had that, I think it's in the in the movie, it's his first production meeting was the first thing we filmed where like only like three people show up. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
So I, uh, yeah, yeah I, I told Carl, I said, you should go film his production meeting just to see. And we got the footage back and I was like, initially I said, you should do this as a documentary. And when I saw the footage, I said, like, I want to do it with you. Like, I think <laughs> this is like a beautiful train wreck that like, we should just see what happens. And, you know, we went down the road. So it was kind of like we were ping pong. Sometimes I would film, sometimes we'd film together. Sometimes it was just him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you really are a character in it. Like you are yeah. like the voice of reason <laughs> throughout this whole thing. I mean, trying, you know, I tried so hard to lead him to water, but like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Carl, yeah, so Carl, and then we had another guy, Jason Tippett, who's another documentary filmmaker. He, he shot a lot of it too. And this must've been a weird, weirdly helped, Lee's ego that there was a film crew filming his production, right? Well, I mean, that was the other insane thing about Lee is he was under the assumption that what we were doing was going to be for his behind the scenes uh, for his. Yes, for his that's totally what it is, right? It is the behind the scenes of a student. Totally. But he had no idea that we were actually making like a documentary about it. And he thought it was like just footage that he was going to like take from us oh. and put once it was sold, you know, millions of copies. And I was just like, you motherfucker, man. Like, <laughs> First of all, you think anyone's buying a DVD of a short film, you're out of your mind. And second of all, you think I'm shooting this to give it to you, like you're way out of your mind. Now, did you have to get him to sign a release form? Because there's a lot of bits about how he has these insane release forms for a student film. But it's like, did you then you needed to get the release from him to make the documentary? Yeah. Well, what happened was as we were shooting it. We realized once, you know, we were seeing all the release forms. We're like, okay, he's going to like be at heart about this. And then one day, there's a scene that's not in Enslavens uh, that got cut, which was like a, a therapist scene and he needed someone to play the therapist. So Carl offered to do it. Um, but Carl only offered said, I'll do it, but you have to sign our release form. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the are so low. It's so dumb, you know? Oh man. You know, I, I do love like this sort of low stakes Americana, you know, documentary, which is fighting over writing credits. And like, it's like, who cares? No one's ever seen that movie. It's like so dumb. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love the writer, uh, the, the guy who was, is it Carlo? Is he the yeah, writer? Carlo, yeah. The ghost writer. Yeah. Now. So this happened, you know, did this actually happen in 2008 or 2007? Like when 2007. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess the follow up questions I had were, I guess, if you, firstly, everyone should watch this. It's on Amazon and I don't know, is it also on any other services or canopy or anything like that? I think it is. Yeah. 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 And, and when Arlen, uh, offered to release it for you, what does that entail? I'm not even sure what that exactly meant when he, when he pitched that, like, I'm like, you, I know you, he works for a film distribution company. Is that exactly his own thing or through the company he works for? I think it's through them. I'm not totally sure. Like you basically, like I'll, like I'll help you get it out there, you know? And I just said like any way that you could do it, I would love it, you know, just cause that's always the tough part is getting out into the world. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it took a lot. I mean, it just took a long time because, you know, like once you actually like physically have to get all the stuff out with, you know, closed captioning and all that stuff and like get it in the right format and, tra- you know, all this stuff. So but once again, I was super happy that he uh, he really pushed to get it out there because it's something I've been trying to do for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it also fits into like the the kind of aesthetics that everyone loves, like the office now. It has like that's why I could totally see someone thinking this was a completely scripted, made up Absolutely. thing. And it sure. even has like I was really appreciating like that there is a classic story arc of like mm-hmm. the guy learning a lesson, 
even though it's like, did he really? Um, yeah. There's a little bit of that, like that lets you kind of have a resolution with this guy. And uh, yeah. Um, what is your relationship like with uh, a lot of the people from the film now? Do you keep in touch with any of these kids? Well, uh, Corey Zachariah is my best friend. You know, I'm, that's how I met him. And subsequently, he's been in every single one of my movies. Uh, the other guys, like I see from time to time around town, um, I think big, big heavy set Corey was working at Michael's uh, art supply for a while. I ran into him once. Um, Why is he not a character actor? He, he is he? He should be. He's another one I think everyone thought was made up because he's just so, like, you know, <laughs> such a genius in a way. Yeah. Like, funny and charming and sweet. Um, Lee, Lee, I saw maybe three or four years ago at a bar. Um, you know, so like periodically I'll run into them, but Corey is really the only one I keep in touch with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah like he is, brother. he definitely stands out in this thing. He's, I can see like, once you like just have a camera near that guy, it's just like, what is his deal? You know, you that is- see like the, the kind of the focus of the documentary shifts as soon as Corey shows up, you know, because he, I mean, and not to be like criticism to lead to all of us, like Corey is just a fascinating person more than any other human. Right. So when he shows up, like, and also Rachel Rosen, who, you know, runs the San Francisco film festival, when I sent it to her, she rejected it. And her criticism was that Corey Zachariah ruined your documentary. <laughs> Whoa. But in the sense, because like you kind of lose focus, we don't follow Lee as much. It becomes about Corey falling in love with a makeup girl and smoking weed on set and threatening suicide and all this stuff. And so, um, I, I, I do kind of understand what she means, but yeah, there's so many, uh, characters that exist in this world. It is so such a, like, it feels like a little play. It feels like a classic weird comedy, you know, like you've got Paul who is sort of the, uh, seems reasonable initially. And then you just like, let him ramble a little bit more. I'm just like, what, what is going on with this guy? He's just like, an, they're just like everyone. It's I don't want to compare it to anything like Tiger King or anything like that, but just in terms of like surprise elements that sure. just pop up, uh, it's just like, or someone that seems like a reliable narrator ends up not being one yeah. <laughs> immediately. So, um, oh man, I, I, I'm curious, like if Lee felt any sort of weirdness about this at this stage now, or if you've heard any communication from him now, if he feels like embarrassed about his you know behavior from this thing from when he was a kid what's funny is you know he came over because it it screened at one festival um they did like a they played some of my work like a bunch of my films and it played in in denmark and so it was going to be like the first public screening so i offered for him and michael who's the dp kid who quits the kind of hipster kid with the long hair um i think you guys should come over and watch it before it's out in the world and I was super nervous because they hadn't seen it yet. They came over. Well, they had out. never seen it because you no, had cut no. it together and submitted to festivals. I, I cut it together, but they hadn't played anywhere. So this was like three years after it was done. It's like 2011 or 12. So I invited them over to watch it. And, you know, I was kind of freaking out. Um, so I set them up in my office to watch it. And I'm kind of drinking whiskey, like peeking my head in, seeing their reaction. Uh, so they watched it. They were laughing a lot, which I was happy about. <laughs> um and then we went outside and talked about it, like on my porch. And I, I feel like Lee had a, like some inter- like a lot of perspective on it. You know, he kind of was like reflecting in like a smart way mm-hmm. at first. That's what I thought. And then we talked more about it. And I don't know how much how much it said in. Because <laughs> there was a moment where you know we were talking about what it means to be an artist outside of school, how hard it is to make a movie, 
And I always say one thing about Lee that I appreciate, like all the other kids are kind of like snotty to him and looking down on him, but he was the only one out of all of them that was actually trying to put a production together, which is not easy, you know? So I do respect that he was, you know, he was going for it. And even though like, I don't agree with that kind of movie that he was trying to make, he was trying to make a movie, you know, and he was doing it. Um, So we kind of talk about this and I was thinking like, man, he's really grown up. Like he's like really changing his perspective. And then it's kind of this lull in the conversation for a second. He like takes a hit of his cigarette and he goes, so what are you up to next? Are you going to make another one of your little films out in the desert or like, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Oh my Lord. Thing to say is that I got to give him credit. Yeah, no, that's hilarious. Oh man. Um, yeah, it seemed like he just really was a lonely kid and it's very similar in a way to, did you see the wolf pack? Yeah. Yeah. Like this sort of like the way that someone is like kind of processing all their emotions through their fandom of film and then not really knowing how to contribute to it, which I can sort of understand in a lot of ways. I mean, like I do a podcast about documentaries. It's many layers of removal of like referencing something, but yeah, it's, it's when you're that age, it's like all you know is sort of like this impression of what you think you know, uh, movie making is going to be like, or what movies, movies have that emotional like world for you. So it was so weird that like your, the exact exercise you told him to do was to write something that he knows. And he went to like, I've never, I don't do heroin. I don't, I'm not a woman. There's like, I'm not a serial killer, all that stuff. Totally. I, I also think, I mean, like it is, it is about age, but it's also, I think, I mean, there is a kind of person who's interested in making stuff just for the sake of being associated with making movies, right? And I think that's what's interesting. Like, and you know, it's not my thing. And also, like, I feel weird like criticizing that because I don't, I don't think it's an age thing, right? I just think that you know, you meet people who want to be in the movie business just because they want to be on set with big trucks, and they think that's that's making a movie, right? And like, the attraction to it is like totally different than my attraction to filmmaking. Um, and to me, it's kind of interesting because, like, it's such a void. I mean, it seems like it would be such a void kind of thing to, like, it's so hard to make anything and just doing it because you want to say, like, I made a movie, right? When it, like, it doesn't come from anywhere, like, in your soul. Like, I can't imagine wanting to do that, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, too, right? Like, it, he's, like, got the stubbornness to just get something done, but even if it's not, like, a personal vision or anything like that. And, but it seems like he also seems like where I sort of pictured him being now. And I kind of looked at his IMDb is like, he's a guy who works on sets. He's like a production guy. And I'm, I've, I've been on sets and it's like, yeah, like everyone who fell into this world must've just been like, I had a dream, yeah, but this is now a union job for me or something sure. like that, you know, and like but I don't it, even know what the dream is. Right. Because the dream isn't like I mean, he's he's referencing someone like Spielberg, who I mean, whether you like Spielberg movies or not, like Spielberg's a smart dude. Right. Like he's a smart guy who I think sometimes makes some really interesting movies um, and a lot of times makes movies, a lot of them from his heart and his soul. Uh, you know, like the, the attraction to just like being in there. I mean, the last time I saw Lee, he he told me he was working, <laughs> he was working on set as an extra. And I was like, Oh, like you got into acting. He's like, no, I mean, the reason what's great about being an extra is you get like face to face time with the AD. So you can just slip your resume straight to them. <laughs> oh no. Oh my God. Actually. Um, I, 
I've, I've been an extra on a fair amount of things like, well, not a ton of things, but just, uh, I've been an extra and then talk to the production people. Like I was an extra on Westworld, okay. uh, like, I don't know, two years ago in the shot in Santa Clarita at the ranch. Yeah. 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 And then I just like, I sort of respect the production people. And I was just like, what? I feel like I could do what you do. Is this something I'd want to pursue? And they're like, yeah, you could do it, but like we're all miserable basically it was like working on Westworld that was like constantly everything changing all the time everyone's like just under intense amounts of pressure like showing up at like 4 a.m you know yeah. it's so oh, gnarly yeah but yeah I, I didn't it kind of did take the glamour I mean out of it being an extra will take the glamour out of anything for you it's the most miserable I mean I respect those people that are doing that extra work because that's like you're making less money than doing like an eight hour shift at Starbucks. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just you worked on a movie set. Like what's the point, man? The point is bring your own Tupperware because yeah. that's really the only thing you're going to get out of it is totally. like, uh, yeah, you got to get a bring your own Tupperware. Um, so for fil film wise, this is, is this the first documentary that you worked on or did you work in student film stuff before? Oh, that was my first, yeah, that was my first documentary. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my, my thesis from, from grad school was a narrative and then, uh, it was my first documentary. And, and after that, I was kind of doing stuff that was like hybrid between documentary and fiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, wish, I really want to see the rest of your work. Where is the rest of your work available? I think some of it's on Amazon Prime um, and, you know, all those other kind of sites, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How, how long had you been um, teaching film when this was made in 2007? I think that was I was I'd been there for like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. teaching and you know there's something like beautiful about community college because like everyone can show up you know you have a class some 18 year old blonde girl who just graduated high school to someone like paul who's 55 who says i used to be a flight attendant now i want to be a film you know what i mean so like the level of absurdity and craziness coming at you is so insane and i remember thinking like i was there and i finished my first film which going to film school you think like i'm gonna make a movie and my life's gonna change somehow and you realize like nothing changes right you still gotta figure it out meanwhile i'm in this place that is the craziest insanity going around me all the time and i said i have to make something off like if i'm gonna spend my time here i have to make something out of it you know and, so, and that's college of the canyons where you're that's college of the canyons. yeah yeah where did you go to film school for is it undergrad yeah, I went to well, I did grad at CalArts. Oh, CalArts, yeah. yeah. It's right up the street from there, yeah. Right. And so. yeah, so College of the Canyons, I I it's uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the show Community was proof that you could turn like a community college into like a <laughs> setting for yeah. like, this bizarre reflection of America, but um yeah, I'm sure there uh, how long did you end up teaching there for? Did you are you still there or No, no, I was there for five, I, I taught there for about 5 years. Mhm. Mm at year five, I was like, enough is enough, you know, like I also had finished like that's when I had finished Little Rock. So I started kind of touring the festival circuit with Little Rock. So it was kind of a good departure moment of, you know, like I kind of got what I could out of that place and very happy to leave. But also like when I think back at teaching, like had some great students and like I think a lot of where I am as a filmmaker, the stuff I made was because of teaching there, because of the people I met. Um, you know, I never would have met Corey, you know, and who's become such a vital part of the stuff that I make. So, you know, I definitely have fond memories of it in a way. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say like, so you'd been teaching about, was that the first year of teaching when you were a year and a half of teaching when you had that? I'm sure you had more challenging types of students subsequently 
Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. But just getting that 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 contrast right away of like this kid who's just like so ambitious at the same time, like not understanding fundamentals of anything. That's just like that's the most perfect comedic combination, really. It's just like the hubris. Just sure. total hue, like very like Danny McBride, um, you know exactly Absolutely. that. It's so Danny McBride, actually. That's a good. That's a good reference. I mean, yeah. like he's such a Danny McBride character. Like, and that's what that's the other thing is like <clears throat> he in a way is so over the top that I think it's hard to believe that someone would be that naive. And I also think like filmmaking is the only. I I, I mean I don't know for sure, but I would like guess that it's the only kind of art form or anything that that people come in being an expert. Right. Like you wouldn't go to school to be a chef and say, like, I only eat McDonald's. I'm not going to ever eat French food. Right. Like where in filmmaking, people come in and say, like, well, I saw Back to the Future. So I'm a filmmaker. You know, what I mean, like this, this is a crazy idea to me. And like and it's not just in community college. Like I've seen it down the line everywhere where people like have no interest in actual filmmaking. They're interested in everything that goes around it. And I just don't think there's another kind of art form or something you would study and just assume that you understand filmmaking without knowing anything about it really. Right. Because like you've consumed it, therefore like you've absorbed it. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, th- which is the part I think when I was thinking of Wolfpack that also brought that to mind or just like, I, it, he seemed like also like more interested in video games and films, which actually maybe would have been a better career choice. Like if sure. you had gotten into video game design or something that might've been like more lucrative than working as an extra so um i mean again though like he's got imdb credits that's more than a lot of people have so he really yeah. he followed through and i think the the way you opened it and like i didn't realize kind of until it looped back to the end that like the opening lines because i heard the opening lines like sort of it sets everything up but yeah. it's like then you realize that is like the moment of someone kind of having a little bit of realization about themselves and vulnerability about themselves, which is him sort of acknowledging like, yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed to be. I don't have life experience to really even know what it is. And it sounds like he, that's what he's like in real life. He might give you a sense of like personal growth and then yeah. it kind of then turns it, into like a little bit of a meme again or something, you know? I mean, that was a really important moment because we had been shooting at that point for a long time and he was such a robot. Like there was never like the human thing where you actually see this kid who's like and this is what's beautiful about him like which we all can relate to is like we all feel like a loner like isolated and i think you know it was the one moment where he took his shield down i didn't shoot that carl shot it i remember when i saw the footage i was like this is like exactly what we needed because one of the parts where as we were cutting it it was hard to make him likable yeah i mean it was really hard to like give him like just an ascent of humanity and like in that you can actually see this kid who is scared and alone and this is what's beautiful about him and you know which which people can relate to but it was just took so long to get to that moment you know and like when i saw it i was like thank god like there's a person in there yeah of course because it's like it could feel mean without that moment right i mean like there is a degree of like this is like so ridiculous everything that's happening is so ridiculous everyone is such a character and I really am not overselling this listeners. No, yeah. Like this is a movie that you will watch be like, is this like an office like pilot or something? Totally. It is just so many weirdos at community college weirdos and the best that it said in the best way. I love weirdos. Yeah. We're all like people that aspire to things and are kind of like 
floundering and like basically mired in their influences. That's like everyone can relate to that. So giving him that sort of uh, arc, I think, is really like you're right. Like like then there's a little bit of a happy like, oh, he just wanted friends. (laughs) He's never hung out with this many people. And so he just thinks bossing them around is what he's supposed to do. Absolutely. Oh, God, it's so it's like all, it's like all these kids in it are these kind of outsiders and like they're all kind of coming together like, like kind of all of them don't have friends like Corey doesn't have friends the other Corey doesn't have friends Carlo doesn't and it's like the it's so interesting to me it's like all of these like true outsiders i think true weirdos not like not hipster weirdos like being like i love grandpa t-shirt and a mustache you know what i mean like real like yeah weirdos and like you know, they can't even come together to make this thing because they end up fighting over table scraps of like credits and, you know, whatever, which becomes just kind of devours itself, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Like, I think the other reference I thought of, like, if I was going to pitch this to someone and I, it's been a long time since I've seen Napoleon Dynamite, but like there is a, that sort of weird, the weirdness of Napoleon Dynamite and this sort of like, like the con the weird confidence that he has that sure. sort of is his saving grace in a way um yeah. sort of like the a flip side to that i was i thought of that as another reference in, in addition to like the christopher guest type films sure yeah so i definitely think uh w- did you consider having enslavements as a bonus <laughs> like I, feature i wish i should i should i have a um i only have it on dvd which um if i can find a way to rip it i would love to send it to you because it's masterfully uh i mean you know i mean the poor guy like i know what it's like to make your first movie and you know he's so worried about everything else that he's letting big Corey do the sound and like he literally when he got it back there was pretty much no sound so he had to reconstruct all the sound like a fellini film yeah yeah every every breath every line so you have this like insane narrative that doesn't really make sense mixed with like literally doing redoing the entire sound oh my god yeah pretty it's pretty i have a funny i did not go to film school but i have a funny uh story related to film school which is um when i started doing a little bit of like acting quote unquote i'm like you know not a professional actor uh there was a thing i went out for which was at i think the academy of art they were trying to make, they were saying, we're making a video for The Coup. I'm like, oh, Boots Riley, The Coup? Yeah, like Oakland Legends of Hip Hop? Of course, I would love to go do that for free. And so I went to the campus. I think I had like one meeting with them before, you know, they had to audition me to play some character. And then I, I, I got it for free. I like working for free and this music video and I come back to the, the next, uh, like, I don't know, a couple days later, come back to the set and, um, the coup is there. I'm like, okay, so this is legit. The coup is here. There's green screens. Um, I'm, I guess I'm in this coup video, but it was like the students I think were European. It was a very international school. So there was like some stuff in the lyrics they just completely misread or they took as like literal. And it's like, they had like a cop and then it's like, Hey, you know, I'm like an anti-corporate anti-capitalist, like community organizer person. I don't really want a cop character in this thing. And there's just like some line where they took, like they, it was just uh, the European context did not, they didn't get the slang. So they just try to make it very literal with like a uh, guy, cool. like, um, like it was something like uh, a bouncer or something like that. And they're just like, yeah, no, this is literally, this is not at all what, 
the line of the song meant. I was just like, oh, I can't believe I'm in a thing with the fucking coup and it's never going to go anywhere. They're not going to use any of this footage for anything. Of course. Total garbage. But, um, you know, film school, it'll sell you, sell you a lot of dreams. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, so we're podcasting. Got to be honest. <laughs> we're all just trying to make something. It's all we can do. It's all we got to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, Mike, thank you so much for talking to us. Um, where can people find the rest of your work? And they can find Kid Icarus on Amazon Prime. And- yeah. Um, I have a website called Small, for- Small Form Films, which is kind of just, I put all my like links to stuff up there. Uh, um, I think, yeah, it's on Amazon, whatever. Like, Sure, if you search it, you can find it. Um, and everyone should check out Corey Zachariah. He's a he's a genius. He's a genius actor, genius person. Uh, can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, no, he's definitely a standout star from this film. Uh, so Kid Icarus, Mike Ott, thanks so much for being on Subdoc. Hey, thanks so much, George. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Subdoc at subdocpodcast.com. Recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel and our show is engineered by Will Scovel. For as little as $1 a month, you can donate to the show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash subdocpodcast. If you want to help us in other ways, please share the show. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Find Paco and George's comedy gigs on the About Us page on the site. Subdoc is by doc fans for doc fans. So if you want to advertise with Subdoc, got a film or opinions, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you and what you're docking out on. Email us at subdocpodcast at gmail.com.